Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Professional Practices and Financial Services team at SAFRI. My name is Jamie Lane. I'm a partner and head of the group based in our Bournemouth office. Today, I'm joined by Richard Crook, our Marketing and Business Development Director, who's based in our London office. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the topic of rebranding. As I'm sure you're aware, we've just launched our new brand, Safri, and with an ever-growing importance on a strong brand in a competitive marketplace, we'll talk about what a rebrand entails and specifically what professional services firms should be aware of when undertaking such a large and important project. So for context, Richard's been in the professional services industry covering both, well, all three of law, real estate and accountancy for over 30 years and has worked on rebrands at firms such as Deloitte, Colliers and Savills. So Richard, good to see you today. And let's kick off by talking right at the basic level of what is a rebrand and and what does it broadly cover? Thank you, Jamie. It's a pleasure to be here. So rebranding. It's a fairly general topic, but essentially rebranding is when your company rethinks your marketing strategy with a new name, logo or design. And the intention for doing that is to develop a new differentiated identity in the minds of our clients and other stakeholders. In terms of the forms of what it can actually um, include, well, clearly a logo is a key part of any of any brand or or identity change. So one of the main strategies of rebranding is that piece about, do we change our logo? Using a new logo, let your clients know that our brand's identity is different. You can make it sleeker, you can use different colors, etc. One of the main reasons to change your logo is it, of course, so it matches the new identity when you're making the rebrand. Another part about a rebrand is also the company name. So Jamie, as you've alluded to, We've changed our company brand name, sorry, from Safri Champness to Safri. And there's been a real trend in professional services to do this. Um, Company names are shortening. There's a variety of reasons for this. Uh, Often it's about memory recall uh, and about brand awareness. Shorter brands give you uh, a more impactful visibility in the digital world. So in the accountancy world, we've seen it with the likes of KPMG, EY, BDO. It's also another big trend in the real estate world with the likes of CBRE and JLL and accountancy and and real estate in particular are really sort of moving away from this legacy family brand name. The the legal world is probably slightly behind in that uh, because they they like the the, the heritage side um, and often they have family members still working within the firm. So logo is one. The, the naming is another piece. Um, uh, and then I guess the other main piece is about shifting brand position. So after changing your logo, it's important that you review your positioning. You can't just change your logos, your name and your colours and call it today. Um, the content that we're marketing in, we need to communicate a certain message, whether it's our mission, whether it's our values, it's our vision, it's our purpose. And shifting your brand's positioning will, again, let our customers know and our clients what our mission and our values and our vision is. Thank you for that, Richard. And, and of course, you, you kind of alluded there to, you know, sort of conveying to customers, you know, what our mission is, what we stand for. This probably may be a slightly different rebrand focused for you at Safri, where um, having gone through COVID and the digital world has accelerated 
you know the 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 approach to marketing and brand awareness um why is it so important now for firms to focus on the digital aspects of their brand compared to what it may have been 10 20 years ago yeah good question and the key reason there now is that most professional services firm have a digital first marketing strategy and the reason for that as you mentioned at the beginning so kindly thank you Jamie I've been doing this for over 30 years and I remember there was a quote we used to use from Henry Ford who said the thing about marketing is that 50% of it works the problem is I don't know which 50% well I'll tell you now any marketing director worth their salt wouldn't be in a position for very long if they reported back to their executive team that they know 50% works, but they don't know which 50%. And the great thing about digital marketing is you can genuinely measure the return on the investment. So you can get analytics, you can get Google search servers, you can get website hits, compound views, organic traffic, search engine optimization. So it's partly a more sophistication of marketing. So easy to demonstrate return on investment, reaches far more people, and you can actually record some proper data in terms of who you've been reaching, how you want to reach them. And frankly, it's, e- it's easier to convert into sales. Okay, very interesting. What, what's the difference between marketing and, and brand? You know, Are they one and the same thing, or can we pull one away from the other? Well, interestingly, they are really slightly different. In a nutshell, I would say branding is who you are. As Jeff Bezos says, It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. So branding is who you are and marketing is how you build your awareness. So branding is your strategy while marketing encompasses your tactical goals in order to determine who your brand is. Very interesting. So been a stressful few months for you and your team. Talk to me about what the main stages of a rebrand entail. I think I'd probably even go a step further back there rather than just look at our rebrand and ask a question about if a professional services firm is considering a a rebrand, there are probably, I'd say, some some sound reasons to do so and some reasons that I would say raises red flags uh, and then I wouldn't do a rebrand. So before I come on to the Safri one, When professional services firms are considering a rebrand, it could be for following reasons. It might be a market repositioning piece. So brands are designed to connect companies with their clients. And if you reposition your business to a completely new client profile or a new uh, product or place, price, promotion, then your brand needs to follow suit. So firstly, you need to look at the marketing positioning piece i'd say that's a good reason why you might want to consider a rebrand another one could be about opening in new locations you, you might decide to sort of internationalize or, or have a more global reach to your business so if you're looking to do that then there probably is an opportunity to refresh your brand to expand into international markets because your current messaging and logo uh, might not be fit for purpose for that uh, another key thing to consider is do you have a new philosophy? Has your has your firm's mission, vision, values or purpose changed? If they have, then it's probably an opportunity to shift and pivot the direction of, of your brand alongside that of your business. Clearly a big piece in 
the professional services space that we're talking about today is mergers and acquisitions. When two companies merge together, clearly two brands come together. So I'd say that's probably one of the key areas where you should always look at, uh, at having a rebrand. If your company was acquired or joined by another, you can't just let both brands battle it out. There needs to be a, an agreed vision about how those brands work. And then you need to find a new brand that reflects the entity to avoid any confusion and trust. So there are lots of good reasons why you should rebrand. I'm just going to throw a few out there about why I think you shouldn't do it. Um, and you may laugh at some of these, but they are things that I've heard before in very senior executive boardroom level. And one of them is about boredom. People sometimes get bored with seeing the same logo and the same slogan every day. And should we recon should we consider freshening it? You know, is it still are we feeling restless with the brand? But you have to remember that your clients will see it less frequently than, than you do, and they might actually love it. Um, so boredom is definitely something to um something to avoid. Second one is about covering up a crisis. So if you're working against internal issues or fending off bad press, I can tell you now a rebrand is not the answer. Um, most clients and employees are smart enough uh, to see right through your rebrand and recognise it for what it is, which is purely just a cover-up. Another one, which I have seen before, is about, dare I say, impact and ego. So when you take over as a new head of marketing or marketing director, so often... To be seen to make your mark, people come in and one of the first things they say is, I think we need to rebrand. It's almost because you're trying to make an opportunity to create something different for the firm when actually there may not be any actual genuine business reason to do it. And then probably the final one is about don't do it just because you're looking for some more attention. It's very easy to get tactical with your marketing now um, and, and look at your routes to market and to put more of a spotlight on your on your current brand you don't need to rebrand just because you're looking for attention so okay so it's fascinating richard where you've talked through the reasons why you should rebrand and also some really good reasons uh why not to rebrand once you've made that decision though talk us through sort of headline level what the main stages are uh of a rebrand process so i think the key early stage is to make sure you win the hearts and minds of your people because ultimately Everyone is a brand ambassador in a professional services firm. You don't have a product. You don't sell widgets or, or cans of energy drinks or something. So everyone has to fully live and breathe the brand. So every professional services firm is different how they do this. Um, if it's a partnership, I think one of the most important stages is to communicate with your partners first about why you're doing this particularly if you, you are thinking about changing your name. And often uh, that's a process that you might start even 12 or 18 months before the rebrand, and often even includes votes just to make sure that everyone's on side with the process. So engage the senior stakeholders. The second piece then is don't think and don't be naive enough to think that you know everything about your brand Perhaps the most crucial stage is to actually go to the market and do some research. And that should be twofold. Ask your clients and your intermediaries about what do they think about your brand, its strengths, its weaknesses, where it's they see its visibility. And just as importantly, engage with your stakeholders internally, not just senior ones. 
senior people will have a view on your brand, that they may have been at the company a long time. It's just as important to ask like your new trainees or your graduates, what do you think about the company brand? And what was it about the brand that attracted you to the company in the first place? So I think it's really important that you do your research stage. Once you've done that research gathering, so you've started to win the hearts and minds, you've collected research from your clients, from your intermediaries and from your people, then you need to start thinking about the creative element. Is it something that you can do in-house with your current marketing and BD team? Or do you need to use an external agency? My view on this is the market changes, the creative world changes so regularly and so quickly. So many things become on-trend and off-trend that I think there's huge intrinsic value in using an agency. And it's a very competitive landscape. There's lots of agencies out there that you can use. But I, I think that using an agency gives you a more rounded view of what's current and what's on trend rather than just doing it in-house. And then, of course, there's just the, there's the huge process of making sure you include everything that's in your rebrand. And a very important part of that is to make sure you cover everything external and internal. So externally is, is of course, your logo, your company name, your, your brand colours, uh, fonts, looking at things like your writing style, so your tone of voice, your photography style. Then you even need to start looking at everything like all of your assets, so your digital assets, your websites, your social medias. Do you want to be, um, do you want to look at it with a responsible business lens as well? So some of the things that we've done, for example, is making sure that our fonts are accessible, the colours that we've chosen are accessible, so they're easily, vis so they're visible on screen for people that might have visual impairments making sure that you use the right color text on on top of the right color backgrounds even down to level of things like we made the decision to move away from having paper business cards and now we just have electronic virtual business cards because there's clearly environmental impact about printing things like business cards and compliment slips that we've that we've moved away from so you always need to go through basically your complete deck of brand assets externally, everything that is in front of clients and prospects. But then you also need to look at your internal piece. So what mechanisms do you have internally where you're giving out company success stories or new joiners? Um, clearly, any company intranet is a big part of this, um, but you may have things like internal team meetings, internal newsletters, um, chief executive updates, managing partner updates. So big process there to look at everything externally and internally. Clearly, you need to plan properly, budget properly, uh, work towards a launch date. Hopefully you've successfully launched your brand. The final piece is going back to that Henry Ford quote. You need to prove the success of it. You need to look at all your various metrics and measurements. There's lots of ways you can do this with your social media. Have you had an increase in followers or an increase in engagement? Have you had more followers on your website? Are they returning visitors or are they new visitors? Um, have you improved awareness and favorability of your brand? And you can also carry out um, client surveys about this. You'll need to leave a, a reasonable amount of time, but you should ask your clients for their views on your new brand. You should also ask your people. And then perhaps the single most important thing when you've done it 
is to make sure you carry out a brand audit. So you need to make sure that basically people are following your new brand. And if there was a reason that you decided to rebrand about consistency, you need to make sure everyone follows it because every time you're inconsistent with your brand, it again immediately dilutes the power of it. And and as part of our rebrand, the best phrase coming out of the whole process was brand anarchy. Um, and and you've you've shown us some pretty powerful slides on how our old brand was uh, potentially being used in different ways, which diluted the power uh, power of that brand. Um, talk to me about how important sort of staff training and having a pretty focused approach to um, what people can and can't do, how how that impacts the power of the brand. Yeah, that's right. Um, brand anarchy, you, you were right, was one of my favourite terms in this. Um, and that's quite consistent across professional services firms. Lots of firms have this, particularly one with a, a history and heritage like us. We've been around since 1855. So if you're going to go through the time and trouble to do this rebrand, you absolutely have to make sure that your people are brand ambassadors and they're consistent. So one of the key ways to do that early on is training. If you're using new templates, you need to train people on them, uh, not just the partners and the senior leaders. You need to train um, the graduates and the trainees and the executive assistants. As you'll be aware, Jamie, one of the things that we did was there was a mandatory brand training course that was everyone was asked to complete within the first week of the brand launch. Um, 75% of our partnerships people actually completed it on the first day and that's a really good sign about brand engagement within your firm um yeah so training and, and having the right rigor around that process is really important you can't just do it with the rebrand because the rebrand is only relevant for the people who are in the firm now it's just as important when you have new joiners that they understand the values and the vision and the do's and don'ts of your brand. So whilst we've put everyone in the firm now through the training, we're also going to put through all the new joiners through it as well. So you've had to work pretty closely with the learning development team to make sure that as part of our sort of new starter, our graduate school leaver schemes, et cetera, that familiarisation with the brand, how to use the brand, et cetera, is a sort of intrinsic part of that um, joining process. Yeah, absolutely. So working with your learning and development, your training teams, uh, working with IT, clearly we made this a virtual online course, but then with our, our inductions, they are, they're face-to-face, -face, they're personal. You know, we're, we're a firm with personality and character and we welcome new people face-to-face -face in a room. It's important that you have sort of brand champions and ambassadors who are in that room to actually present the DNA of the brand. Okay. And, you know, we're, we're sort of a bunch of accountants, so, you know, we're, we're probably focused on the numbers as well. From a professional practices perspective and from your experience of rebranding uh, in professional practices, what, what sort of period do you get the benefit of a rebrand over? You know, how often does a firm have to rebrand to, you know, ideally stay relevant and focused on their sort of key objectives? You know, what what's the kind of... I would say amortization period for a brand. 
Well, that's a great question, Jamie. No one's ever asked me the amortization period for a brand. That's a great question. <laughs> In all honesty, the answer to that is no two brands are the same. So it's almost impossible to give a, a one-size-fits-all. What I will say, though, is all brands should constantly be evolving. So we haven't done this project, and now we're going to sit back and put our brand feet up on the table and say, well, we don't need to look at this for the next 10 years. But things change all the time and there's new routes to market all the time. There's new social media platforms. So you need to be constantly fine tuning and tinkering and making sure that you're evolving rather than saying, well, it's now been a decade. It's it's time that we looked at it again. Yeah, you say a decade there. I suppose in my mind, I imagine that sort of, you know, eight to ten years might might not be an unrealistic period of time before you kind of go through the process again yeah i think that's fair enough and i think it goes back to those other points i said earlier it often depends if there's been a material change in the market that you operate in or or maybe in the ownership or the structure of your firm clearly if you're a firm a business that's very acquisitive and um you're constantly acquiring new bolt-on additions to your business, then that rather speeds up the process of, and the frequency of of how often you should rebrand. Yeah. Okay. And what what from a professional services perspective, what what are the current trends that you know we're seeing in that sector in terms of rebrands? Yeah, I think that goes back again to something I mentioned earlier about there's there's a real trend to shortening of brand names. And you're often seeing firms move away from the, the naming convention of the founding far, the, the founding partners who set up a firm. You've seen it in the accountancy world. Um, there's lots with EY, KPMG, BDO, and, and we've seen it very much in the real estate world. And again, the, the, the names that I mentioned earlier. So there's a trend to shorter names because it, they're more impactful. It's been proven that on brand uh, awareness and favorability that in terms of awareness they're they're more instantly recognizable so a shortening of names in particular there's a thinking that it makes your company brand look more modern and more current but it's definitely easy to use it in a digital world as you recall jamie we used to see our our previous logo said safri champness chartered accountants well there's a lot of letters in one particular logo there. And then when you put that logo alongside um, a competitor, say we're joint sponsoring an event, suddenly the shorter logo of the competitor, whilst they're, they're exactly the same size, they're much more impactful, they're much more visible, and they're, they're far, far easier to see. Yeah, and the other, the other thing I just wanted to briefly talk about was colour. Um, colour... I think from our rebrand and um, rebrands I've been involved in in other firms seems to be you know, pretty key in terms of making sure that your your colour is not one that someone else is using. You know, you're you're sort of in your own part of the colour palette, as it were. Um, is that is that fair or is it not, yeah, no, not really that, that important? That's, that's fair, Jamie. And you were privy to one of the presentations I gave at a partners meeting where. I showed the competitor colour palette and, you know, unsurprisingly, um, reds and blues are very dominant in 
the brand world and we wanted to to find a color that was very distinct and would be more unique and something that we could own that's why we went down the teal space so one we chose a color because we wanted something that we could own and it would stand out but secondly you have to be very careful with your use of colors now because there are more stringent requirements about accessibility and things on your website and things there there are certain colors that people who have visual impairments and, or colorblind that they struggle to read so it's become a it's become a much more important decision making process the color piece i think maybe back in the early days of my career the color choices were probably made about which color did the senior partner or the chief executive like most yeah well, I can imagine. <laughs> We're sort of coming to the end now, so I think it'd be good to give you a sort of final remarks around perhaps what what are the key difficulties you've had in in any of the rebrands you've experienced and how have you overcome them and what advice could you give to people listening to this podcast on how, how to avoid those challenges? Yeah. Well, there are so many difficulties in them because they are they are huge projects. So First thing I'd say is do not underestimate the size and scale of a rebrand. I've often heard the expression of, oh, we're going to do a light touch rebrand. There is no such thing as a light touch rebrand. So firstly, set your objectives clearly so everyone is on the same page with you. A really important thing with a rebrand project is for people to understand it's not just a project for your marketing team because it touches every part of your firm. You need to work with all of your central support teams and your support functions. It's just as important that you work with HR because HR often own the employee value proposition. So you'll hear a lot more these days about the EVP. That's almost like your internal brand. Um, What does the brand stand for for our people? And how do we attract and retain the best people in the market? So you've got to make sure that you're on side with all of your colleagues you've got to plan accordingly don't think it's something that you can do in six months these projects they take time and if you rush it you won't do them properly and i think probably going back to something i said earlier i think it's imperative that you use creative agencies so you get that outside view of your firm you're not just looking at it through your firm lens whilst all marketeers are professionals in our own right the um, <clears throat> the brand landscape changes frequently, and that's what creative agencies do. They live and breathe it day in, day out. So I, I think it's really important that you take that guidance. Uh, and the other thing that I think we did very well, and we I've seen was probably a mistake in some other rebrands, was not doing that research and feedback piece at the very beginning. Everyone within the company probably thinks that they have a view about your brand and, and will give you um, a view, but it's so important that you actually go and ask your clients as well and you go and ask your intermediaries. Uh, and even sometimes you go and ask some, your peers in some of the other firms or other professional services world, because the, the more knowledge and background that you get at the beginning, I think you'll find that there's less hurdles and, and less things that can go wrong down the line. Brilliant. Thank you, Richard. 
Well, what a, what a sort of 12 months you've had going through this process. And uh, I'm sure you're pretty relieved to be on week two post-rebrand uh, to try and catch your breath. So uh, thank you for joining me t- uh, today. Uh, and it's a really fascinating topic. And, you know, I, for one, am intrigued to see you know, the evolution of uh, professional services branding over the coming years. Here at SAFRI, we provide a range of audit. Uh, tax and business advisory services to professional practices and financial services specialists. So to find out how we could help you in your business, please visit our website at www.safri.com. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. (music) 